It's very, uh, very good for Rita and I to be, uh, to be back here finally, so we're excited to be here today. A uh, couple people I want to introduce to you today. Uh, first of all, we have some friends here, uh, Kelly and Lisa. They were here a couple weeks ago when their son Taylor preached, uh, so they want to come today just to, to support uh, us, so be sure to say uh, hi to them. And then also my oldest son, Brian, his wife, Christy, and their three kids are here today. I mentioned a few weeks ago about two of my sons were running a marathon. Uh, he's one of them, so if he, you see him limp out of church today, that's the, the, the reason why. And, and I pointed out in a sermon, um, I don't know if I told you I used this, Brian, I used him in an illustration uh, a while, while back about their marathon, that their goal was to re- hit a time and uh, to maybe, uh, uh, and definitely to finish, but not to win. But I'm here today to tell you that Brian won the marathon. It, it was his age division, 35 years old, born in Carthage, Missouri, living now in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. He had the best time of anyone in that, uh, that group. So uh, anyway, no, he, they, they, he and Caleb both finished and, and were happy to do so. In 1981, uh, Brian actually was only about five months old. Reed and I and, uh, and Brian and then our friends Dan and Mara Muta, and they had their oldest child who was about six months old. Uh, traveled to St. Vincent. St. Vincent's an island uh, in, the, in the Caribbean. Dan's parents were missionaries there, and so we traveled there to visit them. Uh, I'd love to say we traveled there to do some mission work, but that's, we didn't. We traveled there for vacation, but, but we spent about a week or 10 days on the island uh, down there, and, and one of the days we left the, the two babies with Dan's parents, and we traveled uh, to Mount Suferay, uh, it, it was a, a mountain that had been, or I guess still technically was an active volcano on the island. So we left the southern part of the island, drove about an hour north to, the, uh, to, to, uh, to, to where we left the car, and then we had to take a, a, a fairly long hike to get to the base of the mountain. And, and it's kind of like a hike that you would do here in Kansas. We, we hiked through sugarcane fields, uh, a banana plantation, and then a a grove of bamboo, so kind of like a typical afternoon hike here in in, uh, in Kansas. But we finally reached the the base of the four thousand foot mountain and began to traverse up. And that wasn't that hard of a walk. It's not like we we're uh, uh, you know using ropes and stuff. You're just walking up the top. It wasn't that high, four thousand feet. But we got about halfway up, and we looked up, and 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 the mountain was obscured in in fog, or or the cloud was down. You couldn't see the top of the mountain. You get about halfway up. And, and the terrain turned to ash. See, the volcano had erupted about two years earlier in 1979, and the top half of the mountain was just bare, and all it was was ash from that, that volcanic eruption. And we climbed the rest of the way up. It was tough going through the ash. There's places it was slippery. There's places it was kind of muddy. But, but when we finally reached the top of the mountain, oh, my goodness, the... The view was amazing. You could literally stand uh, at the top of the crater and look down inside an active volcano. Now, there wasn't lava flowing, but there was steam and stuff coming up, and you're, you're literally looking down into a volcano. You looked one direction, and you were above the clouds, so you're looking down on the clouds. You looked another direction, and, and, and you saw the island uh, out, out in front of you. You looked the other direction, and for as far as you could see, all you saw was the blue waters of the Caribbean. It, it was amazing. 
the, the journey there was difficult. It was, it was long. Some of it was hard. But it was worth it because it was a journey to an amazing sight. Uh, six months ago, I preached here for the first time. It was a couple of weeks after Mitch had left. Uh, I preached a sermon from Joshua entitled, I'm Still Here. We, we pointed out the fact that God had made a promise to, the, the, to uh, Moses' successor, Joshua, that as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Bruce, I remember telling you that, that I had another sermon that finished that. Uh, and you said, well, you ought to preach that sometime. So I'm going to preach it today. Uh, so, so I'm going to finish that story from Joshua. We, we know that God said, hey, Joshua, you're going to be a leader. Uh, you're taking Moses' place. Uh, but the story continues, and I want to look this morning at how that finishes. Uh, and, and we're going to look at the journey to amazing. If you have your Bibles, uh, look with me in Joshua chapter 3. And we're going to look at a few other verses in Joshua and around there. So might just kind of stay open there. Joshua chapter 3, uh, just the first, uh, uh, first few verses there, uh, first five verses. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. The journey, on our journey to amazing, we need to realize and we see in this text, we need to realize a few things and see a couple things. So, uh, so let's look at that. First of all, we, we see from this text and from the story here in the book of Joshua that, that there was a new leader, that God had appointed someone else to, to take Moses' place. God had already had a succession plan in place, and, and for the Israelites, it was Joshua. I'm sure there were some there who were loyal to Moses, who might have thought, you know what, we need to wait. Before we, before we pick someone else to lead, it really wasn't their decision, it was God's, but, but we need to find someone that was just like Moses. We need to see some, find someone that looks like him, that acts like him, that talks like him, that leads like him. We need to find someone just like Moses. Maybe some of the people thought, you know, Caleb would be a good leader. Remember the story of the, the 12 spies that Moses sent into the promised land? Uh, we all remember it from the song, Ten Were Bad and Two Were Good. The two good ones were Joshua and Caleb. So I'm sure there was a camp in the, in the Israelites that thought, why not Caleb? Man, Caleb's a good leader. Let's, let's have Caleb be the one in charge. Some of the others might have thought, well, this guy or that guy or this person or that person. But the reality was God had chosen Joshua. There's a new leader. Now, now, allow me to explain this. This is going to sound arrogant, and I don't, I don't mean it that way at all. There's a new leader, so follow. Uh, Joshua is the new leader, so, so follow. Remember what it said in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Be, this is God speaking to Joshua. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to, to give them. Uh, Joshua did two things. 
the first thing he did when God said, hey, you're going to lead, the first thing he did was he didn't wait, he went. Uh, in Joshua chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, flip over there just quickly to verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go throughout the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now we will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving for your own. Joshua could have waited and, and, and let's, let's have some meetings, let's, uh, let's get committees formed. Joshua didn't wait. When God appointed him to lead, he simply led. But, but here's the second point, and this is, this is the one we really need to see here. This is the important, important, point. the important point. There was a new leader, so follow. But who does Joshua point to? He points to God. Look, look at verses 3 and 4, those verses we read earlier from chapter 3. Uh, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and <coughs> follow it. The Ark represented God. The Ark represented God's presence in in their camp, in, 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 uh, in, in their, their nationality. God, God's presence was in that ark. So Joshua said, what we're going to do is we're going to follow God. When the ark sets out, that's who you follow. So, so Joshua, even though God had appointed him and, and, he, and he had a role of leadership, Joshua's main concern was that they follow God, that they follow God. Our, our goal then is to follow because Joshua pointed to God. He didn't say, follow me. He said, follow God. Uh, Reed and I are excited to be a part of this church. We're excited to be a part of the journey to amazing. I have no idea what that's going to look like. I have no idea what God has in store for this church, but I know the key is that we follow God. Uh, look at verse 4 uh, again. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. Joshua understood, we're going to take a promised land, but we've never been there before. <clears throat> Excuse me, we don't, we don't really know which way to go. We don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what God has in, plan, uh, has in store for us. We've never been there before, but God knows where we're going, and God knows what we're to do we as a church may not know where we're going yet but it's okay god does we we may never have been there before where god's going to lead us but it's okay god does it, it may not be easy in times it, there, there may be some some growing pains but it's okay we're just simply to follow and god knows where he's leading us uh, there's a new leader, so follow. There's also a new direction. Everything in the history of Israel to this point had led them here. Uh, Abraham, uh, Joseph, Moses, th their story, their history was full of, of God's great and mighty interventions. But now there was a time for a new direction. They could have been tempted to stay right where they were. They were on the east side of the Jordan. They, there, there, there had to be a temptation. Well, you know, it's not so bad right here. We've got kind of used to this area, so 
why don't we just stay here? In fact, they could have just stayed on that side of the river and told stories. Well, do you remember that story about Abraham? Do you remember when God said, you're going to be a father of nations, and he didn't even have any kids yet? They could have told that. They could have talked about Joseph and his coat of many colors and, and his brothers getting upset and throwing him in a well, but God delivered him and, and, and then he ended up in Egypt. They could have said, do you remember that story? And it's not so long ago that Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And, 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 and then Pharaoh let him go and we marched over in the Red Sea. They could have stood on that side of the Jordan and simply told stories about what they'd done, about their past. It's not too often that, uh, that I'm able to get together with my, my siblings. I, I have uh, uh, five brothers and sisters, one brother, four sisters. It's not too often that we find ourselves together uh, uh, anymore. But when we do, we tell stories. Uh, we, we talk about it, and I bet you all do the same thing when you, when you meet with your brothers and sisters. When my, our kids get home at Christmas and Thanksgiving, and when they're all there, they, they tell stories. But my, my siblings, we get, we get home, we tell stories, and we just laugh. We'll, we'll talk, I'll talk, Deb, do you remember that time? My sister Deb, it's sweetheart, but she, she can be just a little dense at times. Deb, do you remember that, that time you, you ran my motorcycle into the sewer and I, and I had to go out and dig it out of the sewer? Deb, do you remember that time? This is a true story, I, I swear, it's a true story. Remember that time you drove mom's car and you thought the tachometer was a speedometer and you thought, man, I'm trying to go, I can't even get it to go 50 and... Um, but the car was making lots of noise. I don't understand that. And, and, uh, but one of the stories that just kind of got, uh, if you don't understand that, ask someone what a tachometer is and what that would mean. Uh, one of the stories we always tell, so do you remember that time when, when mom and dad were gone for the evening and, and we broke the light? Mom and dad left. And I think it was just the four younger sisters. I know my oldest sister, Beck, wasn't there. I've talked about her. She's my mean sister because... Uh, she would, number one, we, she would have kicked us out of the house before we could have done this but, and told mom and dad. But, uh, but, but I think it was just the four youngest, and, and we were bored. And so we decided, we came up with a game. We'd stand on the arm of the couch, and in the center of the room there was a light, not unlike something like this, not quite as extravagant, but a center light that hung down, and it was kind of hanging on hooks. And we, we'd stand on the couch and jump to see if we could hit the light, the globe with our head. Okay, you kids, we didn't have Game Boys, we didn't have video games, we didn't have cell phones, we had a TV that got like two channels, and most of them were fuzzy, you had to get the rabbit ears just right, ask your mom and dad what rabbit ears are, but uh, so, so we create your own, so we're standing on the couch, and we jump, and oh, Rick, you almost got that, and good job, Mindy, you're too bad you're short, and, and, uh, and finally one of us succeeded. I like to win, so I, I want to say it was me. But we, it, it turned out bad, so I want to say it was Rick. Uh, but one of us succeeded. We hit the light, but when we did, it lifted the globe up off the hooks, and it fell to the floor and smashed. What are we going to do? That's why I know Beck wasn't there, because she would have killed us. Uh, what do we do? Put our heads together. Let's clean it up. Maybe they won't notice. So... <laughs> So we cleaned up the thousand pieces and shards of glass, and I'm sure we cleaned the rest of the house and our rooms and mowed the yard and did, I mean, all, everything we could do. Mom and Dad gets home, we're thinking they won't notice this living room with a single bulb hanging naked from the ceiling. They noticed. 
Uh, and we got in trouble, obviously. Every time we get home, we tell that story, and we laugh. How odd it would have been when, when we each graduated from high school if we decided, you know what, we have so much fun as siblings, let's just stay at mom and dad's. Let's just stay home, and we can relive our past. Oh, Rita, I don't know if we would have gotten married, but you would have loved that, wouldn't you have just... Come on, Rita, live here with my brothers and sisters and mom and dad. No, I, I wouldn't have actually got to, to Joplin, Missouri to meet her. And I, there's something wrong with that. We all had to go live our own lives, and God had something different for us to do. There's a new direction. They could have, they could have said, no, let's just stay right here. It's safe. We understand this. There, there's no risk. Let's just tell stories about what God's done in the past. But there was a new direction, so obey. God had called them to move out. Look at chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Then, then they answered Joshua, Whatever you commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obey Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with uh, Moses. We're there's a, a new direction, so we're called to obey what God has for us. The journey to amazing requires a new direction. Here's the problem. It's not always easy. It's not always easy to o obey God. Uh, in, in the story, we see, we see God requiring of the Israelites some pretty difficult things so that they could see that amazing. God had told Joshua, Joshua had told them, hey, get together because tomorrow you're going to see amazing things done in your midst. But to do that, they were required to do a, a couple tough things. Look, look at the first in chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. There, there we see this. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Verse 8, tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. You know what he was telling them to do was to walk into a river. Now, now can you imagine Joshua pulling the Levites together and said, hey, Levites, come here. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to have you grab the Ark. They're like, okay, okay, we can do that. And I'm going to have you walk the ark up to the edge of the Jordan River. Good, good, we can do that. And then I'm going to have you walk into the river. What would you say? <laughs> I thought you said walk into the river. We know from the text that, that it was at flood states during the harvest seasons. So the, the Jordan River, which is not a huge river, was out of its banks. The water was flowing faster than it normally flowed. And, and Joshua just said, you're going to walk to the edge of the river and not just stay there, you're going to walk in to the water. On our, on our journey to amazing, there's going to be times as individuals, there's going to be times as a church where God's going to call us to walk into the river. God's going to call us to step out in, in faith that doesn't make sense. It, it's not easy. 
See, see, I'm all in for getting on the other side of the river. I'm all in for taking, taking possession of the land. I'm all in for winning the victories and getting my possession. But I've got to walk into the river to get it? Wow. That wasn't easy. And not just that, it really, it couldn't have been easy for the Israelites to cross. Uh, we're told that the waters, when, when they stepped into the river and then continued to the center, that the waters backed up quite a ways. It said a great distance away. And they walked across on the, the dry land just like, like they had done on the Red Sea with Moses. It couldn't have been easy, though, as an Israelite to walk through the river. Before it had just been at flood stage, now it's backed up. It takes a little bit of faith to walk through and realize at any time that river could collapse back down. In fact, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been so hard if you're at the front of the line or maybe the middle line, but what if you were one of the last couple people? And, and you're walking, man, I hope God doesn't, doesn't miss the fact that I've not got across. In fact, we know over in chapter 4, uh, verse 10, it says, uh, the people hurried over. Uh, duh, that's what I would have done. I would have hurried on across that water or across that river to get on the other side. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for them to do. Sometimes when God calls us to amazing things, it's not going to be easy. Uh, let me point out a couple other examples uh, in, in their early life here in the promised land that, uh, that showed it wasn't easy. Chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. I'm going to try to be somewhat delicate with this. Chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. They've crossed over. They've made it to the other side. At this time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. Can you imagine that conversation? Joshua gets his lieutenants together and says, Guys, here's what we're going to do. God talked to me. He said to circumcise all the soldiers. Now you go tell everyone that. <laughs> Whew. Doesn't make sense. They just moved into a hostile land. They know they're gonna, there's going to be battles. They're going to they're have to fight for, for their possession. And now God says, now do this, and for five days a week, in my case, two weeks to a month, you know, you guys are going to be incapacitated. You're not going to want to do much of anything. Let's do that. It makes sense, doesn't it? Circumcision was a sign of a covenant relationship. Why God chose to have him do it again, I have no idea. I guess, obviously, they'd moved in the land. There's, he wanted them to understand that he was in control. But they did it. It's not always easy to, to the journey on the journey to amazing. And then you know this story, chapter 6. Uh, we, what happened with the first battle. Joshua again pulled his uh, generals and lieutenants together and said, okay, God told me, uh, we're, we're going to go fight Jericho. Let's start with the big one. Let's start with the one with the fortified walls. We're going to take Jericho, and this is what God said we're going to do. For six days, we're going to march around the city. And his general said, okay, we can do that. And on the seventh day, we're going to blow, walk around the city, and we're going to blow trumpets. We can do that. And then God's going to give us the city. Walls are going to fall down. It's ours. Really. <laughs> really. We march, and, and that's all we do is march six days, seventh day, blow horns, and it's ours. Joshua, are you sure that's what God said? But we know from the text that's what they did. God gave them a great victory. Uh, the journey to amazing isn't always easy. Uh, and, and when God calls us to amazing, uh, as a church, when God calls you 
to amazing as an individual, sometimes it's going to be tough. Sometimes God's going to ask you to do things, to step into the water, to, to, to make a decision that just doesn't make sense, to do something where you're not going to get any of the credit. It's all going to be Him. But God calls us to that if we want to see uh, amazing. Uh, there's also, we'll finish with this last point, there's a, there's a new purpose. There's a new purpose, so embrace it. To this point, their, their purpose had been to just follow. Moses had led them, got them over here, got them just outside the Jordan, just outside the promised land. They'd just been doing what they're, most of the time, well, part of the time they've been doing what they were supposed to, but they were followers. Now their purpose changed because now they were going to become warriors. Now they were going to form a great army and go into the promised land and take the land by force that God had promised them, that God was going to give them. It was going to be God's victory, but God had promised that to them. They were going to change their purpose to be something different. Can you imagine if you were, if you were just one of the regular old guys in, 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 uh, uh, in, in one of the tribes of Israel, and now your purpose had completely changed. God had called you to be a warrior. Can you imagine sitting there thinking, I can't, I can't be amazing. I've never been trained in warfare. I, I don't even own a bow or a spear. How in the world can I do something amazing? But the reality is all throughout Scripture, we see it over and over again, that God always used common or surprising people to do amazing. Remember in John chapter 4, Jesus uh, there meets a woman at the well. You know that, that, that story. He was in Samaria. It was, it was noon and the disciples had went in to find something to eat and Jesus was at the well of Jacob by himself and woman came out. She came out because no one wanted to be around her. She, she had been married several times, was living with a guy, and, and uh, it had probably been spurned by, by the people of the city. So she came out at, at noon to gather her water. Jesus and her had a conversation that turned into a spiritual conversation. In, in the end, the, the text tells us, this woman who no one listened to, no one gave the time of day, no one didn't want to get water with her, ended up converting people. We know from the text that she went in and told her story and there were several other believers that came out of that city because she told her story. She never thought she'd be amazing, but when she ran into Jesus, she was. We, we know in, uh, from the story in Mark chapter 5, Jesus came in contact with a man that was demon-possessed. You remember that story where he, he lived among the tombs, and he, he, he was naked, running around the tombs. They put chains on him, and he busted the chains. And, and Jesus came to him that day and cast the demons out, said the man uh, was of his right mind, he had clothes on, the people of the city came, and, and they were scared. Of course, Jesus, they were also mad because Jesus had cast the demons into their, their pigs and they ran into the, the Sea of Galilee. But, but they saw the guy and said, hey, get away from me, we don't want you here. And, and the man said, can I go with you, Jesus? And, no, you stay here. And, and the text tells us that he went about the, the, the capitalist telling his story. This, this demon-possessed, naked, running around a cemetery guy became an evangelist for Jesus. And how about the story of Paul? If you chose someone, if you chose someone to, to, to lead the Gentile nation to Christ, would you have chosen a Jew of Jews? 
a man whose whole life and mission and passion was to destroy the message of Jesus. He wanted to stamp out these, these new believers. He wanted to, to literally imprison and sometimes even kill these people. And yet God chose him to be the one that would not only lead the Gentiles, but would write a good part of our New Testament. Uh, God, God uses the common and surprising to do his amazing work. I, I don't know what God has in store for Troy Christian Church, but I know that he can do amazing things with this church and with its people. I wouldn't be here. Rita and I wouldn't be here if we didn't think that God could do amazing things here. He's done it in the past, and you've got stories that you can tell. You can talk about past victories, but God's got a, a, a new purpose for you in the future, and, and we need to find that together. Uh, Clyde Murdoch, and I'll, I'll close here. Clyde Murdoch tells, tells this story. A church was, uh, or a preacher was preaching. He was down in the deep south, and and, and he was preaching one Sunday to his congregation, and he just kept going on and on. And the, the, the longer he preached, the louder he got. And, and, and the more into it he got, the, the more he preached, the louder he got, the more the church got into it. And I mean, they were just really, really going after it there after a while. And finally, he ends up saying this, if this church is going to do what God wants to do, just like when Peter told that, that man who couldn't walk, stand up and walk, church, we need to walk. And the church just in unison hollered back, let us walk, preacher, let us walk. And, he, and so he went from there. So just like Elijah on Mount Carmel, like when he ran, church, if, if we're going to do something, we've got to run like Elijah. And they all yelled back, preacher, let us run, let us run. And he said, just like what oh, Isaiah said in, in, in Scripture, we need to mount up with wings like eagles and fly. Uh, church, we need to fly. And so they all yelled back in unison, let the church fly, pastor, let the church fly. He said, and if we're going to fly, it's going to take money. And the church yelled back, let us walk. Preacher, let us walk. <laughs> the, 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 reality is, the reality is if God calls us to amazing, it's going to take, it's going to take a commitment. It's going to take a, a passion to step into the water. It's going to take a passion to say, God, you said what? It didn't make sense, but I'll do it. It's going to take faith that says, okay, I'll walk around the wall. I'm not getting much credit here, God. I'll, I guess I'll let you win this battle, but I'll do it. God has called us, called us to a new purpose. We're not sure what it is yet, but let's embrace serving him. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for, we thank you for the rest of the story with Joshua, a, a man who sought you and followed you, uh, but more importantly, a man who pointed those he was leading towards your direction. Uh, he didn't put the, 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 the spotlight on himself. Instead, he said, I don't know where I'm going, but God does, so let's follow God. Father, as a church, I know you have amazing things in store. You have a journey to amazing for individuals in this body today. Father, give us, uh, give us the ability uh, to discern what those are, the wisdom to discern that. Father, also give us the heart that says we want to be a part of it and the faith to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning, and you have a decision that you need to share with the congregation, we would invite you to come at this time. Maybe, maybe your decision is a simple one, one that doesn't necessarily need to be up here, but it's a decision to say, you know what, I want to be, I want to be like those Israelites. 
whose world got turned upside down when, when God said, follow me. When he said, step into the water and go over to a land that we don't know and we're not sure what's going to happen, but I'm going to follow you. Would, uh, would you come and share that? Would you make that decision, at least in your seat, as we stand?